0: Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. Antigua Prime Minister says U.S. should boost financing to Caribbean nations. Cuba wants Biden to normalize relations with the island. Honduras inaugurates first female president harris vows closer u.s ties jamaica local government elections postponed a further 12 months 94 percent of puerto rico's restaurants increase food prices to pay increased minimum wage and uae to the bahamas 11 countries that have no income tax these and other stories on today's pulse of the caribbean caribbean news roundup for friday january 28th we start a report today in antigua antigua Newsroom reports that Antigua and Barbuda's Prime Minister Gaston Brown said in an interview that the United States should increase financing and aid to the Caribbean to help the region recover from the pandemic and cope with the growing impact of climate change. Brown said countries in the region are facing unsustainable debt loads, often equivalent to 100% of gross domestic product. He added that many have been relying on loans from China due to favorable terms offered by Chinese banks. I feel that the U.S. ought to pay more attention to the Caribbean region in helping us to maintain our standard of living to avoid any mass movement of people, he said in a telephone interview on Tuesday. If people are unable to live in Caribbean countries, then clearly they'll end up on the shores of the United States as refugees. China has lent over $4 billion to Caribbean nations in the last 10 years, according to figures compiled by the Washington-based Inter-American Dialogue, much of which has gone to finance infrastructure development. The Caribbean was disproportionately affected by COVID-19 pandemic, according to the IMF, which last year said tourism-dependent countries in the region saw economies contract by 9.8% in 2020. Many struggle to get aid because multilateral Federal agencies tend to classify them as middle or high income nations based on their per capita GDP measurements, which do not factor in higher costs facing small island nations and their vulnerability to climate change. Sustained U.S. support for changing those criteria would provide a significant boost for the Caribbean, Brown said. We expect the United States would use its influence in the multinational financial institutions to effect that change, Brown said, adding that he had not seen evidence that that was happening. The vast majority of of some 336 million in USA to members of the Caribbean community, or CARICOM, goes to Haiti, with only around 70 million being distributed among 13 other countries, he said. The population of those countries is around 7.5 million. It's just minuscule, Brown said. According to the article, the U.S. State Department did not immediately reply to a request for comment. CNN reports a high-ranking official in Cuba's foreign ministry is calling for the Biden administration to restore relations with the island in light of a recent CIA report that found most of Havana syndrome cases were unlikely to have been caused by a foreign power. The mysterious health incident that plagued American diplomats and CIA personnel in Havana, Cuba, among other cities, can be explained by environmental causes, undiagnosed medical conditions and other factors, rather than a sustained worldwide campaign by a foreign adversary intended to harm U.S. personnel, CIA officials said last week, describing interim findings from the wide-ranging study. The article states that while Cuban officials rarely agree with anything, the CIA said Carlos Fernandez de Cosia Dominguez, a vice minister at Cuba's foreign ministry, told CNN that the report should provide enough evidence for U.S. President Joe Biden to order the reopening of embassies and normalize relations. The logical step by the U.S. government with this evidence, with what they know now, would be to put aside the excuse used at the time about attacks and then normalize the functioning and the operating of the embassy in Havana and to normalize our embassy in Washington, said Fernandez de Casio who served as Director General of U.S. Affairs at the Cuban Foreign Ministry. In 2016, U.S. diplomats and undercover CIA officers in their homes and hotel rooms in Havana began complaining of unexplained symptoms such as dizziness and pounding headaches. These sometimes were accompanied by an unidentified piercing directional noise that sounded as if metal was being scraped across the floor. Eventually, 24 diplomats were diagnosed with brain damage that ranged from mild impairment to injuries, so severe they may never be able to return to their previous jobs. U.S. officials feared the unexplained illnesses might have been caused by sonic attacks, an unknown directed energy weapon or microwaves. In the interim findings delivered to Biden and briefed to Congress in recent weeks, the CIA reported it had yet to find any evidence that a nation state is behind any of roughly 1,000 reported episodes around the globe. Some of the diplomats and their family members expressed frustration following the release of the interim report that the U.S. government still was unable to identify the cause. Of the symptoms. A senior CIA official said the agency hasn't ruled out that a smaller subset of incidents could be attacks, and the intelligence community continues to investigate whether any device or mechanism plausibly could cause the symptoms reported. St. Kitts Nevis Observer reports via Reuters that Zamora Castro was sworn in as Honduras's first woman president on Thursday, in front of a cheering crowd, including U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris, who pledged U.S. government support to stem migration and fight corruption. Castro's inauguration ended the eight-year rule of Juan Orlando Hernandez, a one-time U.S. ally who has been accused in U.S. courts of corruption and links to drug trafficking. Even as Hernandez left office, a U.S. congresswoman called for him to be indicted and for requests to be made for his extradition. The economic catastrophe that I'm inheriting is unparalleled in the history of our country, Castro said in her inaugural address. Her government also faces tests over a sharply divided Congress and relations with China due to Honduras's maintaining diplomatic ties with Taiwan. In a meeting shortly after the ceremony, U.S. Vice President Harris promised to collaborate on migration issues, economic development, and fighting impunity, and said she welcomed Castro's plan to request United Nations help to establish an end anti-corruption commission. Castro tweeted that she appreciates Harris's visit and the Biden administration's willingness to support the Honduran government. Harris also pledged to send Honduras several hundred thousand more COVID-19 vaccine doses, along with 500,000 syringes and 1.3 million for health and educational facilities. U.S. officials want to work with Castro both to curb illegal immigration from Central America and shore up international support for Taiwan as parts of its efforts to stem China's influence, the report stated. Jamaica Information Service reports that Jamaica's local government elections has been postponed for a further 12 months to be held no later than February 2023. This follows approval of the Representation of the People, Postponement of Election to Municipal Corporations and City Municipalities Act 2022 in the House of Representatives on January 25th. The bill was passed with one amendment. Minister of Local Government and Rural Development in Jamaica, the Honorable Desmond McKenzie, who piloted the bill, said that given the ongoing coronavirus COVID-19 and the fourth wave of the pandemic. The holding of an election at this time would put the country at greater public health risk. He noted that the fact that public schools would have to be used as polling and counting centers and the desire not to disrupt face-to-face engagement also factored in the decision to postpone the elections. As the minister responsible for local government, I wish to assure the House and the country that we are still committed to having the next local government elections in the shortest practicable time. The commitment of this administration to the local government system is well known. It is a critical part of national life and it will remain unthreatened. Despite the fact that we are seeking to postpone for an additional year, it does not jeopardize the existence of local government in this country, he said. Barbados Today reports that public officers in Barbados are being prepared to function effectively in simple, authentic foreign language situations and are honing valuable skills in the process. The Learning and Development Directorate of the Ministry of Public Service has organized Beginner Chinese for Business and Tourism and Beginner's Portuguese for Business and Tourism courses for public officers. They are being offered by the Center for Professional Development and Lifelong Learning at the University of the West Indies. Director of the Center, Faye Marie Brown, said one Portuguese and two Chinese cohorts had already been conducted. Another Portuguese course would be held in March and April of this year, she added, noting that officers may begin to apply for it, explaining that the courses target public officers at all levels who desire training in beginner conversational language for business and travel purposes. Mrs. Brown said they are being held for eight weeks via the Zoom platform. The director stated the courses seek to expose all public officers to a second Language in keeping with the national objective of having all Barbadians becoming bilingual. Barbados sees the globe as its oyster, and some public officers interact with many non English speaking officials professionally and socially. So, this training will allow them to feel more comfortable in their interactions and may even propel them to take steps to further their studies in the areas. Brown concluded. The Virgin Islands Consortium reports that U.S. Virgin Islands Delegate to Congress, Stacey Plaskett, has been using her influence in Washington to ensure the U.S. Virgin Islands receive its fair share of COVID-related funding, as well as funding from several other programs. Speaking Monday night following Governor Albert Bryant's fourth and last State of the Territory Address before he seeks re-election, Delegate Plaskett said she had some priorities that she would like to see accomplished with federal dollars in the U.S. territory. One of those priorities was a subsidized ferry service between St. Croix and St. Thomas that she said would encourage commerce between the islands. The ferry service would be funded through the $220 million allocated to the territory as a part of the Bipartisan Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act signed into law by U.S. President Joseph Biden on November 15, 2021. One of the things I've continuously talked about is that we have sufficient funding now that we should be able to build a federal ferry system between St. Croix and St. Thomas, one that would allow for cargo and goods, agricultural goods, as well as our students, to be able to compete with one another between the two islands at a very reasonable cost, she said in response to a consortium question. The congresswoman envisioned three ferries costing $6 million or more each because of the waters between our islands. She said the three ferries would really be cost efficient over time to allow goods and cargo as well as people between the two islands. That's a huge priority for me. For a full read on other priorities and initiatives for the delegate, visit the VI Consortium website to read more. Amico Hoops reports that, according to an Azor Puerto Rico Restaurant Association survey, some restaurant owners in Puerto Rico have increased prices on their menus to correct the increase in the minimum wage to $8.50 an hour. That was implemented in January 2022 as a study of the macroeconomic status of restaurants on the island conducted by the association. It revealed almost two years after the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, the economy on the island has not returned to what it was before. So restaurants have taken certain measures. The primary measure taken by the food establishment owner's survey to address the consequences of the pandemic and the rising minimum wage was to increase the prices of their products. In this case, meals. Along these lines, 94% of those surveyed by Azor answered that they raised prices, which is the most common procedure for working on the situations. The second step most business owners chose was to reduce the number of working hours for their employees. In particular, 39.2% gave way to a reduction in working hours. Only 9.8% of those surveyed, said they were able to observe the increase in the minimum wage. The Azor has recommended to Governor Pedro Pelusi and to the legislature to strengthen measures that support the sector's recovery. In addition, they have also asked for a halt to measures on legislations that increase the cost of doing business. The survey was conducted between December 29, 2021 and January 19, 2022 to 112 respondents, representing 1,273 establishments. Trinidad and Tobago Newsday reports that monkeys such as the white-fronted Capuchin and the red howler are among the first lines of defense when devastating diseases enter the country. In early 2020, hunters found the bodies of several red howler monkeys in the forests of South Trinidad, and veterinarians later determined they died from yellow fever. They also are among the first to be infected by dengue and malaria and can guide health authorities to take proactive measures to stop the spread of the diseases. Game wardens, nature tour operators, and wildlife conservationists all welcomed the decision of the government to categorize the Trinidad capuchin monkey and the Trinidad howler monkey as environmentally sensitive species. The Environmental Management Authority began receiving comments on the proposed change law on January 10th and will close off on February 18th. Conservation Ricardo Mead of the El Socorro Center for Wildlife Conservation said the decision to categorize the white-fronted capuchin and the red howler monkey, both native species to Trinidad and Tobago, was long overdue. He said it was difficult to determine the population of the two species as there is poor data collection to give baseline numbers to compare. Meade said the species were under threat mainly by the loss of forest for development, and now the invasion of illegally smuggled monkeys, which are often released in the wild and are multiplying at alarming rates. Conservador of Forests and Chief Game Warden Denny Dipchan Singh said the Forest Division had limited data on the population of howler monkeys over the last decade. He said illegally hunting and people capturing the monkey to keep as pets have also contributed to their decline. According to a 2021 report from the International Union for the Conservation of Nature, there are fewer than 50 white-fronted capuchin monkeys in Trinidad and Tobago's forest. ScoopHoop.com reports that with tax season and many burdened with taxes, there are countries with no income taxes at all. Instead, they have other sources of revenue to fund their government, such as tourism, oil, production, and mining, among others. The countries on this list are beautiful destinations that may entice you to move. The list includes a few Caribbean countries, but first... Topping the list is the United Arab Emirates. The UAE, located at the eastern end of the Arabian Peninsula, is a thriving economy with multicultural environment. The article states that from education to health care, UAE provides top-notch facilities for its residents. There is no income tax in UAE. The citizens pay zero tax on their personal income while living a high quality of life. The major source of revenue for the country is the corporate tax on oil companies and foreign banks. Next is Monaco, the second smallest country in the world. Monaco is situated on the Mediterranean Sea. Monaco does not collect any capital gain taxes, nor levy any wealth taxes. This beautiful country has the lowest crime rates of any country in the world, but is also one of the most expensive countries to live. Now let's look at the Caribbean countries on the list. Cayman Islands, there is no personal income tax. There are no gift tax, debt, duties, estate tax, inheritance tax, or even capital gains tax on worldwide income either. Next up is Bermuda. Bermuda, there is no income tax imposed to individuals, no corporate income tax, VAT or sales taxes either. It does impose a payroll tax, which is paid by the employers. Next up, the Bahamas, a tourist haven that has a robust economy, contributed by the tourism sector and is one of the richest countries on the list. The citizens of the Bahamas don't have to pay any taxes on income, inheritance, gifts or capital gains, making it a tax haven as well. And finally, St. Kitts and Nevis. St. Kitts and Nevis don't have any income tax or any other kind of taxes for that matter. The main source of revenue is tourism, and they also provide economic citizenship programs for foreign nationals. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean Caribbean News Roundup for Friday, January 28th. I'm Keisha Wallace, thanking you for choosing Pulse of the Caribbean Caribbean News Roundup as your source for Caribbean centered news right here Monday through Friday. Be sure to spread the word to family, friends, and associates. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com and be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Now, Meta.